Welcome to the Metro Church Podcast. We hope you will be blessed by this message. For more information about Metro Church, visit our website at metrochurch.org.au. Of course, it's Christmas time. That's no surprise. And thank you, uh, Liz and the team for the carols. Uh, I'm a big fan of carols. I found a CD my wife had been playing. And I think I've played it only about five times a day, uh, every day. Uh, she said, do you like that CD, do you? Uh, I go, yeah, I get out my Bluetooth and I've maxed it into everything. It's in the car and it's all over the place. Uh, most of us are so familiar with Christmas that it's easy to run over it as though it's just, well, it's Christmas, isn't it? And the story, though, of the conception, the birth and the life of Jesus is far more than an historical record. I want to take you today on a, a bit of a journey into the supernatural of God and what it means to work with a supernatural God. I want to start with that few verses in Luke's Gospel, chapter 1, where we're told about the visit of the angel to Mary. And even as I read it, lots of you are going to go, yeah, I know that story. Uh, But the angel said to her, to Mary, he said, Don't be afraid, Mary, for you have found favour with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son. You will call his name Jesus. He will be great. He'll be called the son of the highest and the Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David. He will reign over the house of Jacob forever and of his kingdom, there'll be no end. Despite all the philosophers, all the atheists, all the governmental dictators over the years that have said Christianity will die out. The Bible says right at the very beginning of the birth of Jesus, even before he's born, that his kingdom will have no end at all. Then Mary said to the angel, how can this be since I do not know a man? The angel answered and said to her, the Holy Spirit's going to come on you and he's going to overshadow you. The power of the highest will overshadow you. Therefore also that the one who is to be born will be called the Son of God. Let's pray. Father, help us today. Lord, it's so easy for us to have your supernatural in the background of our life, to know that you're capable of it, but to not really know how to appropriate it, how to make room as we've been singing for you to do the things that we can't do. So Father, I pray today that you'll help all of us, whether we've been a Christian a long time or whether we're brand new. Lord, whether we know a lot of the Bible or we feel we barely know any of it. Lord, whether we feel like we're really well and truly established or whether we go, God, I'm still struggling. Help us today, we pray, to understand. Give us revelation in Jesus' name. Amen. Mary asked the angel a question that I think lots of us ask God from time to time. She says, how can this be? It's a question I've asked, I know that. Over the years when I've been faced with impossibility, Sometimes the kind of obstacles that look immovable, often for me, it's not been that. It's been the opportunities or the vision that God drops in your heart. And you look at it and you go, God, how can this be? I I know you can. I know you're well able. There's no such thing as a Christian who doesn't believe in the supernatural because a Christian by definition believes in God. 
a, a Christian by definition has given their life to Jesus, the Son of God, who performed so many miracles. So it's not that we don't believe in the supernatural. It's just that in that space and time, in that moment, everything that we feel we want God to do or we think He wants us to do seems quite impossible, seems out of our reach. And so when Mary says this, I don't think she's expressing terrible doubt. She's simply asking the human question from the logical space from which we all live many times. She says, how can this be? How is this going to happen? How can this possibly come to pass? I don't have a husband. You know, I'm a virgin. And so how is this ever going to take place in my life? And the angel says an interesting phrase that has caught my attention for the last several weeks as I ponder over the Christmas story. Pastor Bruce asked me in mingle time about, you know, how do you come up with something different every Christmas? And I said, well, it's quite easy, really, because the Holy Spirit wrote the story And he's got depths in there that despite every year I've ever been saved, I've yet to plumb the depths of all of that. There's still so much more to that story. And so for me, as I began to think about this verse where he says, the power of the highest is going to overshadow you. Well, I'd never thought about that much. I, I guess I kind of thought of it as though a, a cloud wafted past or, you know, some kind of, you know, thing took place like it, it snuck up on her while she wasn't watching. And so I look it up and I discover that the word there for overshadow doesn't mean like cloud cover. It literally means, think about this a minute. He literally, the angel said, you are going to be enveloped in a haze of brilliancy. He said, what's going to happen is that the light of God is going to so come around about you that a brilliancy is going to come to your life. It was not some kind of a, a sneaky thing without anyone noticing. If you'd been there, I think it would have been like Moses when he went up onto the mountain with God and he came back down and such was the glory of God upon him that the Bible says he shone so much so that the people said, we can't stand to look at this glory that's on you. And they begged him to cover it. And so Moses would wear literally a veil over his face when he walked amongst the people. They couldn't cope with the brilliancy of God. The Bible says that in a Mount of Transfiguration in four Gospels, that when they went up there, that uh, Jesus stood with Elijah and Moses and there they were. And it says that they shone with the brilliancy of God. John, the apostle on the Isle of Patmos, where he's there waiting for his sentence to be executed upon him. When he's there it says that I saw him Jesus and it says he shone like the brilliance of the sun. Make no mistake about it, there are levels of the glory of God that you and I don't often encounter in our daily life. We live it when Jesus said you are the light of the world. We used to sing a song that said this little light of mine as though somehow or other we were just but a flicker of light in the midst of darkness and then I 
read these verses and I wonder if we've ever truly understood what Jesus meant when He said, you are the light of the world, that there's a brilliancy about followers of Christ, that there is an overpowering goodness and greatness and and exuding, if you like, out of the life of a believer that certainly even if natural people around you can't see, the spiritual realm around about you certainly does know it and certainly does feel it. And you can be uh, touched by that wonderful brilliancy of God. To be enveloped in a haze of brilliancy or the other meaning is to invest with a preternatural influence. In other words, that a supernatural something comes into your life and begins to work at you. You know, Colossians says, it is God who both works in you to will and to do of His good pleasure. In other words, that there is something, listen to me, in being a Christian that is beyond your behaviours and it's beyond your, your works and it's beyond your actions. It's beyond just all that you do for God. There is something about God at work in the life of every believer that is hidden from everyone like Moses hid his face. It's hidden sometimes it's hidden from you. The Bible says in 1 John, written by that same apostle who saw the one who shone, he says this, he says, Beloved, it doth not yet appear what we shall be, but we know that when He appears, we shall be like Him. Can I just pause a minute and say to you all that Christians are not these poor people that are struggling somehow or other to try and live a good or a godly life. They're not people with religious patterns of behaviour. They're not people that are nice in their heart and want to do good, but there is a supernatural of God that envelops the life of every believer in a haze of brilliancy. And the Bible says that it's going to be revealed and it's going to be shown, it's going to be demonstrated and the world is going to see something more than just people who know how to sing songs in Jesus' name. Amen. Working with the supernatural. So let's talk about how to work with the supernatural of God. Number one, supernatural doesn't require us to be strange or bizarre. Now, everybody here will know a strange or bizarre Christian. Don't point at them, don't look at them. But everybody here knows one, don't you? They're the ones that, you know, I remember going to somebody once and I said, look, I wonder if you would take on a new role. I wonder if you would become a secret agent for God. Because quite frankly, uh, the way you're going about it is more likely to turn them off than turn them on. I have a gift of counselling. The supernatural doesn't require. Now, does that mean God can't do strange things or bizarre things? Of course He does. But He's not always asking you and I. I think some people are afraid of the supernatural of God lest he ask him to do something weird. Think about that miracle that Jesus did where the 5,000 got fed. Luke 9, verse 16. Watch this and imagine you were there and you're one of the 5,000. You see a lot of talking amongst Jesus and his 12. A lot of hubbub and Jesus is pointing and asking and there a lot of shrugging of the shoulders. And then all of a sudden out of the crowd, a little boy comes up and one of the disciples grabs him by the hand, brings him to Jesus. And this little kid with his basket, well, all we see is the boy gives his basket to Jesus. And the next thing we see is Jesus 
mouthing something. And he says something and then he gives the what's in the basket to the 12 and the 12 go out each with a basket and they come amongst the crowd that are sitting down now in groups of 50. And they come about and they say, would you like some? Please take some. And people do it until 5,000 people get fed. Now think about this a minute. If you'd been watching, it would have looked like another Christian leader saying grace. How many people here say grace every meal? Well, I do. Rhonda and I do. We do it every, every meal. Just every meal. Stop and go, God, thank you for this food. And for us, what day is it today? It's Sunday, so that's every grandchild day. Uh, Monday is, is Evie's day and Tuesday is Judah's day and uh, Elroy is Wednesday and Sloan is Thursday and Honey's Friday. And then on the end of every one of those, sometimes grace in our place goes a long time because we're praying for a whole lot of you uh, that we know about that are walking through difficulty or some kind of uh, valley at the time. And so we're going that and so we're holding hands over our meal, just the two of us, apart from Lola. She's never contributed once. And uh, that's our dog, by the way. And, uh, and so if you've been watching, my point is this. Jesus never did a, a, a little spirit dance. He never got out the shofar or a whole lot of other stuff. He just sat there and said grace. And apparently that was enough. Not all the supernatural comes because someone does something unusual. Mark's Gospel, chapter 16, verse 18. The Bible says they shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. I've prayed for many people in hospital. Yet they don't like it in hospital if you start shunder barundering and, you know, and calling in the choir and, and having the keys. Just hold a second, I can't pray till I have the band. You know, and all the band come out and the drummers are going and, and apparently nurses and doctors in wards don't appreciate that kind of cacophony in a place where they're trying to give people rest. So I've learned just to go in and lay hands on the sick without having to give a whole holler and a hoot and a dance around the hospital bed. Just lay hands. I'm not saying that to make fun of of things where we do have the whole band or whatever. I'm just saying, don't, don't put the supernatural into the, well, you've got to really be out there for something of God to happen. It doesn't require the stranger bizarre. Number two, secondly, the supernatural overlaps the natural. Jesus blessed the five loaves and the two fish, but 12 disciples still had to go and hand it out. There was no drone delivery. There was no angels coming down. I can feel the brush of angels' wings. I see glory on each face. There was none of that. No angels went and handed it out. People had to go and do and be a part of the miracle that took place. Mary supernaturally conceives. Hold a second, ladies. But she's got a nine-month pregnancy. Huh? She doesn't get a three-month one because it's Jesus. Amen. And I've watched enough of you women, God bless you. When you are pregnant, I was with someone the other day and they're moving in the seat and I, and I, I must have just noticed and she said to me, she said, it's just really hard to find a comfortable position. And you think about Mary sitting in a chair and, and, and Joseph goes, what's that? She said, he just kicked. 
Huh? You go, well, Jesus wouldn't have done that. Well, I bet he did. <laughs> she supernaturally conceives, but the supernatural overlaps the natural. You may supernaturally get that job because of divine favor, but you won't keep it if you don't do diligent work. Amen. Try turning up late every day, just saying to the boss, God gave me this job. And see how long you keep it. Amen. You might get supernaturally healed by God, but if you neglect your body in health, in ways of exercise or what you eat, I'm strongly suggesting to you, maybe you won't keep that miracle. Huh? The supernatural overlaps the natural. Here's number three. The supernatural comes as a response to obedience to revelation. In Mary's case, without a doubt, the supernatural of the, uh, the overshadowing, the haze of brilliance, comes as a result of obedience to a revelation she got. Let me show you how it works in someone who's not Mary, because some of you think Mary was different to everyone else. That she was uniquely elevated. She was a human. She was a woman. Mark's Gospel, chapter 5, verse 25. Now a certain woman had a flow of blood for 12 years. She'd suffered many things from many physicians. She'd spent all that she had and was no better, but rather grew worse. Watch this. When she had heard of Jesus, she came behind him in the crowd and touched his garment. For she said, if only I might touch but his clothes, I shall be made well. When she had heard of Jesus. But if you read back a few chapters, Mark's Gospel, chapter 2 and verse 12, says all were amazed and glorified God. It's not like somehow or other she's the only one to hear. What about the next verse on from there in Mark's Gospel, chapter 3 and verse 7? It says, And a great multitude from Galilee followed him and from Judea. So lots of people, it's almost like who hadn't heard of Jesus? But this woman heard differently. Can I say this to you today? I hope you'll hear it right. That it's not what you hear, it's how you hear it. Some people hear the promise of God, but they hear it in a way that it never overcomes their past or their experience or their disappointment. This woman heard about Jesus. Now, nobody has ever been healed by touching the hem of Jesus' garment. Not before. Not ever before. She hasn't seen someone else do it. She just heard something in her heart. If I touch Buddy's clothes, I shall be made well. And she heard that in a way that made her want to go and act upon that. And I wonder what it is, you know, I, I've tried in my life to say, Holy Spirit, what are you saying? What are you saying to me? I don't think that makes you super spiritual or a super Christian. I think it makes you a normal believer. To be the kind of person who says, Lord, what are you saying about this? And sometimes, honestly, for me, it's such a faint whisper that if you weren't listening carefully, more carefully than you do to your spouse. <laughs> but if you weren't listening carefully, you'd miss it, wouldn't you? You know, you know what I'm saying, don't you? That little prompting of the Holy Spirit, do this, go now. And sometimes for me, it seems so like it's just in my head that I'm tempted to just let it go past. 
But I've found that if I will act on a revelation and obey that, she heard if I touch his clothes. Are you still hearing that still small voice today? Are you hearing the voice of the Holy Spirit say you can be well? I'm going to help your family. Are you hearing that today? Or are you just going about and all you do is gather up all your problems and come to God and tell Him all the time, this is what's happening? Or do you bring them to Him and then say, Lord, what are you saying? The great success of David in 1 Samuel 30 was that he didn't just go and say, I'm angry that my family has been taken captive and out of my human anger. There's a great verse in James chapter 1, I think it's verse 27. It says this, the wrath, King James, the wrath of man worketh not the righteousness of God. But the word wrath there does not mean anger. It actually means emotion out of control. And sometimes out of our emotional upset and our emotional strife and conflict, we rush out to do the will of God when we ought to take a leaf out of David's book and go, Lord, what do you say? And the Lord said, go and pursue for without fail, you'll recover all and he does. Here's number four. The fourth thing is that the supernatural still requires our action. That woman we read about with the issue of blood, she could have had all the revelation in the world, but without action, nothing's going to shift in her life. Let me say this to you very clearly, is that the supernatural and miracles are not a substitute for our action or effort. It's not a case of, well, I gave to the Lord, so now I will just cruise and do nothing and wait for it to pour in. God might be blessing you through your work. Amen? Boy, this is such good preaching. Everyone's loving it today. <laughs> Think about it. It still requires our action in our life. Amen? I got a revelation about tithing so many years ago now for me. I'd never heard of it. It wasn't really in the church I grew up in or had been a part of in the early days. And so when I got, but I got a revelation about it. I got a revelation, I'll open the windows of heaven. And so from that day to this, there is not one time I could tell you about where we have not tithed whatever blessing God's brought into our life. But I got a revelation about it. I never just got a heard a preacher about it. Amen. Here's number five, last one here, is that the supernatural requires our alignment. What do I mean by that? Well, alignment is when you go in the same direction as something else. That's what alignment means. Alignment means to line up with. I think the key to Mary's whole story is what she says in verse 38. It says, Then Mary said, Behold the maidservant of the Lord. Watch this. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from it. Isn't it interesting? The angel leaves the moment alignment happens. His job is done. He's no longer needed. He doesn't have to say another thing. He doesn't have to move anything out of the way. He doesn't have to change anything. Why? Because alignment has come. Jesus said, if any two of you will agree, come into alignment as touching anything, it will be done for them of my Father in heaven. That's alignment. So often though, we, we hear what God says, but we don't align ourselves with it. If we don't come into alignment, then we can end up talking ourselves out of a miracle. We start playing, I'll wait and see. The truth is, when it comes to the supernatural, we do our small part. He does the supernatural big part. You know, some of the biggest miracles I've ever seen God do 
were when I was feeling at my lowest. Rhonda and I were telling someone about it just this week. I can't remember who it was or what the context was. But we were talking about that moment or a whole time where God did some amazing supernatural miracles. And yet, if you'd asked me, did I feel strong? I would have said no. If you'd asked me, do I feel confident? I would have said no. That's why I mistrust deeply how I feel and what my mind is saying. Because I've learned that God can do, as Ephesians chapter uh, 3 and verse 20 says, now under Him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we can ask or even think according to the power that works in us. In other words, my mind is not the controller. It's very possible for you to be going like Mary. How can these things be? And still see God do a miracle if you'll align yourself. If you'll say to God, God, let it be unto me according to your word. God, you've said this. I don't see how it's going to happen. I'm not sure how that could possibly come to pass. But Lord, you said they'll lay hands on the sick. Well, I'm going back to John and Trudy because they look to me like they've got hands. And I'm pretty sure they qualify in Mark 16 as being believers. So you said they'll lay hands on the sick. All right, then I'm going to align myself with that. And when I align myself with that, I'm not going to walk away and go, well, that nothing worked. I don't feel any different. Well, no one said you would. Jesus never said, by the way, they lay hands on the sick and immediately you're going to feel and look a million bucks. He just said, you will recover. Amen. And so we believe that for your life. Now, come on. The supernatural of God. Mary teaches us, I believe, something great about how to work with the supernatural of God. The greatest supernatural that there will ever come in your life or mine is to be born again of the Holy Spirit. I love science. I read science books. I love uh, a whole lot of stuff about how people think. But, you know, I always remind myself that those things don't make room for God to do something. We can look at it and I was listening to a neuroscientist the other day talk about the human brain and about a whole lot of stuff that they're just discovering. He said, we still have not scratched the surface of the human brain. We have no idea how that happens or why that takes place. We're not sure where this goes. But my Bible tells me that there is a God who made me. And He never made me to, to be a puppet or, a, or some kind of a plaything. He made me according to Scripture. He made me to have fellowship with me and to walk with Him. Let us make man in our image after our likeness. We want to have fellowship with Him. Jesus said, if you will love me, my Father will come and make His abode with you. In other words, if you'll open your heart to the beautiful Holy Spirit, if you'll allow Jesus to come into your life, you can start walking with God. And as long as I've been around, I'm still trying to find words to explain the enormity of that shift and that change as though from darkness to light, which the Bible says it is, as though from death to life, and the Bible says it is, that somehow or other, when you say yes to Christ, your life internally, something profound and powerful changes. You get enveloped in a haze of brilliancy. It's not religion. It's not rules. It's relationship. Amen. 
I want to pray with people this morning. Come on. You're here in this building. You're here with us online. You say, Jeff, I don't know Jesus yet. I know what that's like. I remember when I sat there in that church service saying, God, I know I need you. My heart pumping. I felt like everyone was looking at me, though no one else knew. And yet God knew and He was tugging on the, the heart in my life and saying, come on, today's your day. Today's your day to say yes. Oh, I thank God that back then somehow or other I, I found the courage to say yes to Jesus. I'm praying you will today. You'll say, Jesus, I want to know you. Jesus, I want to be close to you. Jesus, I want to discover you in my life. Can we pray together? If that's you this morning, just wherever you are, you may be in the building or you might be with us online. You say, Jeff, I want to say yes to Jesus today. Let me tell you how easy and beautiful that is. How profound it is. Because the Bible says He's listening. The Bible actually says He runs throughout the whole earth looking for people on whose behalf He can act. He's looking for you today. You might say, oh, He doesn't even know who I am. Oh, yes, He does. The God of the universe knows you. But He's waiting for your yes because He never barges in. He won't overpower you. Mary would not have been enveloped in a haze of brilliance if it hadn't have been for verse 38. She just would have been another woman who'd encountered an angel. But because she said yes, her life changed and the world changed. If you want to say yes to Jesus, I want to lead you in a prayer right where you are. I want you to say this to Jesus after me. Just let these words become your words. Let me help you. Say this, dear Jesus, I'm opening my life up to you. I'm making room for you. I want to know you. I need your forgiveness. I need your help. Come into my life right now. Jesus, save me. Walk with me for the rest of my life. Thank you, Jesus. You don't need to pray this prayer. Let me pray for you, Father, for every person who's right now said yes, either for the first time or saying, yes, I'm coming back to you, Lord. Or for those even, Lord, who when they're watching this, it'll be days or even weeks later, But today they gave their yes to You. Thank You for them. Lord, we know we've seen so often how You have helped people and and more than helped, You've profoundly changed them so much that they're born again. Thank You for them, Lord, in Jesus' Name. Amen. Amen. We're going to give You a big hand because we want to say well done. But we also this morning want to tell you how we're going to help you. We started this thing called Yes Text. If you'll text YES, Y-E-S, to the number up there on the screen in front of you, 488 If you'd rather get our help via email, it's more convenient that way. Then you go to yes.metrochurch.org.au. Just give us your yes. And what we'll do is we'll send back to you, either by email or by text. We'll send you back a Bible verse and a prayer every day. They're different. And they're there to help you grow and to help you discover how to walk with Jesus. It'll be our joy to be able to do that with you and for you. You get that for 30 days and then there's more things if you want. You can uh, take them. They're all free, by the way. And uh, be our joy and our privilege to be a part of being a blessing to your life in that way. In Jesus' Name, Amen. Amen.
Let me just pray for every single one of us before Pastor Bruce comes and shares some of the great things that are coming up. But I want to pray, some of you here in this place, you need a miracle from God. Sometimes out of our struggle, we try and, I don't know, get God to do it. Mary didn't go, oh, now I've got to really try hard. Think how easy it was. She said, Lord, would you let it be unto me according to your word. God doesn't answer because of our stress or our pressure, but because of our trust. Father, I pray for every person, every family, every man, woman, child. Pray for everybody here, Lord, who's right now in a place where they need you to perform a miracle. We come before you and just say, we trust you. We're not trying to tell you why we deserve it or why we don't. We're coming because of Jesus, because of His great grace. Thank you for that, Lord. In Jesus' name, Amen. Amen. Pastor Bruce. Thank you, Lord. Here I am. Where did you come from? There you go. Hey, lots of great things happening in the life of uh, Metro Church. If you've been here for a little while, you hopefully know about a ministry called Hope. Uh, that's where we help out people in the community who are doing things tough. And of course, Christmas, we want to actually bless them uh, abundantly. So we'd love you to be a part of that. So if you're actually in the building, you can grab one of these flyers. Um, it's our Hope Christmas gift list. Grab one of these flyers and uh, there's some suggested items on there that, that you can actually buy some gifts that we can give out to families that are doing it tough. Now, if you're going to be doing that, fantastic. God bless you for that. Don't wrap them though. Do not wrap them because we need to see what they are so that we can put them into the appropriate pack. So that's your ability there to grab some gifts. Now, if you're going to do that, grab the list today and bring the items in because next Sunday is the last Sunday that we can receive these items. So we would love you to be a part of that. Now, you can also give financially. If you'd like us to do the shopping for you or you're not able to come back to the church building by next Sunday, then why don't you give online? Uh, just make a notation, hope. Christmas gifts or something like that we'll know what you mean and uh, you can be a great blessing to those people now of course Christmas is coming up very very soon we've got a whole uh, bunch of Christmas services that are available so to help you remember about that but this little cute little fly here that you can grab one or a few of these because on the inside are all the dates on all of the different Christmas services so this is as much as it is for you to remember what's happening, but also to hand these out to friends and people that you might know, letting them know about some of the Christmas services, which includes Christmas Eve, which happens to fall on a Sunday. So we've got a standard service, 9.30am on Christmas Eve, Sunday morning, the 24th. And then we've got a special one-hour service in the evening here in the building and online. That's 7pm through to 8pm with Reverend Dr. Michael Battersby. Then, of course, Christmas morning, which is Monday morning. That's a one-hour service from 8.30 to 9.30am. Then, of course, there's Christmas Eve following on from that. But a little bit closer to home tonight. There's no meeting online, but there is a meeting in the building, and we would love you to come along to be part of it. It is our special Christmas production called Messiah. Now, you can listen really closely to this. It starts at 7pm. 
It's not five. If you're at five, you'll be super early, which is great. But it starts at 7 p.m. However, you do not want to miss the beginning of our Christmas production tonight, Messiah. It starts at seven, but if you're at seven, you're late. You're going to miss it. So come before seven o'clock. Make sure you make time to find parking and to walk to the building because it's going to be a fantastic production. You do not want to miss it. So what time? 7 p.m. Fantastic. And to really whet the appetite, here's a teaser video for you. Let's roll that. I have been having dark dreams of late. There are those that do not yet understand. Lord, what am I to do? It's going to be amazing tonight. Make sure you're early for that. Come on, team, let's uh, sing together, worship God. Stand with us a minute, would you? Let's love the Lord together for a moment. In a minute, we'll be here. Cafe will be open, ministry time and prayer space. But just for right now, take a moment. Let the Word live inside of your heart for a minute. Just tell the Lord again, Lord, I'm, I'm really making room for you.